Welcome to episode number 18 of the Barbell Lifestyle Podcast, where Christina and I discuss your pre- and post-workout nutrition, otherwise known as peri-workout nutrition. We talk specifically about how to structure your pre-workout meal to optimize your performance in the gym and how to fuel up properly after the gym to optimize your recovery. We go over macronutrient ratios, portions, timing, how these meals fit into the context of your whole day, and more. We strongly, strongly recommend that you listen to episode number 13, Macros 101, first if you don't have your foundations with nutrition set. It's going to give you a lot of context for this episode, and your pre- and post-workout meals are something to focus on only after you have your basics and consistency of nutrition down. As always, if you like the podcast and you want to support it, all we ask is that you share this episode with a friend, family member, or coworker who would benefit from it. One share can go a really long way and supports our mission to help as many people as possible to live a healthier, sustainable lifestyle. Finally, we would love you even more than we already do if you took the time to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Ratings and reviews are how this podcast moves up the ranks and becomes accessible to even more people. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this episode, number 18, all about peri-workout nutrition. And welcome back to the Barbell Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Christina Litt, and I'm here with my co-host, Marissa Roy. And in today's episode, we're going to discuss all about peri-workout nutrition. Yeah, this is a really exciting topic because I think it's a lot of fun to talk about our nutrition around the workout. Um, So, I mean, before we get into it, though, we were kind of talking about um, Christina's life updates and how that has affected her nutrition pre and post workout and her training schedule. So I think that's a good kind of introduction into this. So you want to give us a little life update? Yeah. So I, um, as most of you guys know, if you've been following my journey for a while, I am also a school counselor. Um, so I do that on the side along with my fitness business. And I recently just moved school district. So I have a position at a new school, which is very exciting. It's a lot closer to home. So now I don't have a 80 mile commute every day. (laughs) Um, so one of the things that we were discussing is how we, kind of schedule our pre and post workout and how it can be sometimes frustrating or exciting when you get a new schedule. And so my schedule because of the pandemic has been really weird. So right now I'm going into the school from about 745 till 11 a.m. And then we get to have our lunch break and go home. So I had been training on my lunch breaks before I head home and it's been working out really nice. And so my first meal today is my pre-workout meal. And we just had a staff meeting and everything is changing again. So I'm going to be at the school from 8.30 to 2.30. So that means I'm going to be training in the afternoons again. So I'm going to having, I'm going to have to bring breakfast, a snack, and then again, my, my pre-workout meal and everything is going to be shifted to the afternoon. So one of the things that we were discussing is, again, how much of our day revolves around our food schedule, when we're going to work out and everything like that. And I was telling Marissa that sometimes I used to get really frustrating because if anyone works in a school, you know that our schedules can change by the minute. And a lot of times I'll plan because originally I used to be able to take my lunch and go to the gym during the day, which was super nice. But 
there have been times where I've had my pre-workout meal. It's, you know, 45 minutes to an hour. I'm like getting ready to get out the door. I'll even take my pre-workout. And as I'm leaving, like a crying kid will come into the office and I have to sit down after having my pre-workout and deal with whatever crisis has happened. And I get frustrated sometimes because again, everything revolves around my pre post-workout and now I'm not able to do that. So at the end of the day, I have to zoom out and say, okay, you know, it's, it's just one day. It's not a big deal. You know, my workout or my pre-workout food wasn't optimal. I might've had to have like a snack or something like that to hold me over. So I'm not starving during the workout, but I can't go into that workout now saying, well, this is going to suck. I'm going to have a crappy workout because my pre-workout wasn't as optimal as it could have been. So that kind of brings us into the discussion of today is how you can go about scheduling your pre and post-workout and just kind of the, the big takeaways that we can gather from the discussion today. Yeah. And I'm kind of really culprit to that too, with my meals and, and meal timing, because I, I have a pretty stable schedule. So like I pretty much work from home and would work from home regardless of the, the pandemic or not. Cause coaching is like my main thing, but um, you know, if, if I have, for example, on Thursdays, now I have a class in the evenings that runs from four 30 to seven. So if I want to train on a Thursday, then my days shifted back a little bit. And, uh, right now with, with cutting and having less calories overall, it's, can be frustrating to, you know, kind of have a smaller pre-workout meal because I prioritize my training so much. So like, even when just the size of that meal goes down, I can get really like in my head about things where I'm like, oh, well, you know, I got to get as many carbs in that meal as I can. And, and we'll get into the nuts and bolts of exactly how you should be structuring these meals. But uh, yeah, I can get like a little too, you know, detail oriented with that at times. So yeah, like you said, it's important really to zoom out and just remember that it's the total daily intake that really matters. It's, it's the fact that we're adhering to the plan, adhering to our training overall, even if it's not perfect. So I want you guys to keep that in mind when you're listening to this today, because we are going to be talking about a lot of details and a lot of nuances and little things that you can do to quote unquote, optimize your nutrition, which is exciting and it's fun. But if you haven't nailed down a good macronutrient intake episode number 13 macros 101, make sure you listen to that, follow the directions there to get your total intake down make sure. And then you... I think the other episode we can reference is the one with Eric Helms as well, kind of talking yes. about how you prioritize your nutrition and what to focus on first. Because again, all of this stuff can be really overwhelming. If you're a beginner, if you're just starting your journey and trying to be like, okay, well macros, but calories, but you know, now I have to focus on what I'm eating and how I eat. So it, it can feel overwhelming. So that's a really good episode to listen to if you haven't listened to it already. Yeah. So just setting your priorities straight and making sure that, you know, and I think one of the big takeaways from this episode will be your meals around your training are important, but there are bigger factors at play with your total amount of results. So I think before we get too far into it, we said peri-workout nutrition. You may have never heard that term before. So let's define that. Peri-workout, peri means around. So around your workout nutrition. 
So we're talking about the food that you eat before, during, and after your training. Um, not everyone eats or consumes calories during their training, but we'll kind of talk about different options and avenues that people take there. But we're mainly going to be talking about the pre and post training meal and everything you need to know about it pretty much. Yeah. So why we do this. So why we structure our days and, and our meals around when we're working out. So we're trying to provide our body with certain nutrients around the time of working out. And so this is going to optimize performance recovery and just other training adaptations. So when we, I used to think again, the super bro, like old school mentality, I used to think that your most important meal of the day was your post-workout meal. So everyone has kind of heard of the, the anabolic window. And I, again, I used to have this, like, I need to have protein, like within 30 minutes of my workout. Otherwise I lost all my gains. <laughs> um, and so I've actually changed my mindset. And now I kind of believe that your pre-workout meal is your most important meal of the day. And my reasoning behind that is because what you eat before you work out and how you're feeling during a workout, you're going to have, if you, if you have a really crappy workout, but you get your protein in 30 minutes after, I, I don't think that's as big of a deal as if you go into it, you set yourself up for optimal performance. You have a killer workout session and you gave it your all. I think that's more important than that 30 minute post-workout protein meal. But, um, that's just kind of how my, thought process has evolved over time. Yeah, definitely. And I think one of the examples that I'll use for this is just with any new client who's starting out, we start them on a training program and they talk about how, you know, maybe they are training and they're just not enjoying their sessions or they're really, really tired when they're at the gym or they're just not getting stronger. And this actually goes a lot into two episodes ago because we had an interview last episode with the programming and progression. I did know a little caveat in that is, is you can't just expect to progress if your nutrition is shit. And like part of my French, but like if you're not eating to fuel your performance and your recovery, then you're, you shouldn't expect to make gains in the gym every single time you set foot, even if you're on a progressive plan, because ultimately your food is giving you the fuel to make those progressions. So what oftentimes what happens is I'll have a client come to me and say, you know, I'm having really crappy workouts or I'm just really fatigued. I'm not getting stronger. And the first thing I, I tell them is, you know, let's take a look at your pre-workout nutrition. What do you eat before you work out? More often than not, the answer is uh, just whatever my last meal was, you know, uh, it, it was, something like lunch and then I worked out at 3 p.m. And, you know, that's like a, a three hour gap. And what if their lunch wasn't even substantial? So, you know, really taking a look at what are we fueling ourselves with immediately? And when we say immediately, we're not talking about like shoving food down your throat as you walk into the gym, but before training, uh, that's actually going to be utilized as fuel when you're in your session. Uh, so, I think a good place to start with this is again, to just frame it as optimal peri-workout nutrition. So what's gonna be best for you is, is gonna be based on you 
as an individual, your goals, your needs, your preferences, and of course, the context of what your total daily targets are. So we're going to use a lot of background information from the other episodes that we've referenced to give you guys the guidelines for these pre and post workout meals. So it's important that you have your foundation set and it's important that you're doing all of this in the context of your total daily intake because you can manage your pre and post workout nutrition perfectly. But if that puts you over or under your total daily intake targets, you're not going to take steps towards your overall larger goal. Yeah. And then the other thing I think it's important to talk about too, is there is really no optimal pre-workout nutrition for everyone, because it's going to be based on each individual and what your specific goals are, what your needs are, what your preferences are for food. Like example, you know, a marathon runner is going to have a very different protocol than someone who is a power lifter or a bodybuilder. So all of this, again, we, we always recommend that you guys listen to this information, but then say, how does this apply to me and my goals? Yes, of course. And one of the biggest questions that I get from clients is like, what is the best pre-workout meal or what, what are good examples of foods that I should be eating pre-workout? And my answer to that, and this kind of brings us into talking about just the pre-workout meal in general is, you know, something that's easy to stomach, you know, you're going to be going into the gym and you're going to be pushing it really hard. You're going to be reaching near maximal levels of exertion. So why would you want to eat something that makes you feel heavy and weighed down and sluggish? You know, this is all about fueling yourself up to perform. So you need to have something that will be easy to stomach. So when I have a client ask that question, I do throw out some suggestions of things that personally I do like to rely on for pre-workout food, but at the same time, uh, asking them, you know, and, and for you, the listener, ask yourself, what are some easy carbohydrate sources that I can that I can stomach pretty well, that, that sit well in my stomach, that don't make me feel bloated or whatever. So to kind of transition us perfectly into talking about the pre-workout meal, the number one thing, as you may have already guessed, that we're going to be focusing on in this meal is carbohydrates. Carbohydrates are our body's preferred fuel source. It breaks down the easiest and oftentimes the quickest, depending on the type of carb that you're eating. And it is metabolized into energy for especially strength training. We use carbohydrates as one of our main fuel sources to power that exercise. So the other thing too, is uh, again, we, we recommend having a pre-workout meal within three hours, maybe 45 minutes prior to your workout. Again, what is the most optimal for you and what you can stomach? Because I know that some people feel if they feel like they have a lot of food sitting in their stomach, they feel like sluggish or they're not able to perform at their best. So they may need to have something three hours prior to their workout. And then I know that there are some people who can't concentrate if they're starving during a workout and they need to have something a little bit closer to the time of their workout. But like Marissa was saying, pre-workout doesn't mean something that you eat right immediately before you go into the gym, because you need time for to digest a little bit. Otherwise you're probably going to throw up. <laughs> um, so that timing within like three hours to 45 minutes, again, you can play around with timing and figure out what, what works best for you and when you feel your best. But again, it should be something like Marissa mentioned, something that's easy to stomach, easy to digest, you don't feel super full and sluggish. Like for example, I switched from oatmeal 
to cream of rice because oatmeal for me, I've just felt it sitting in my stomach the entire workout, even though I love oatmeal, prefer it. It's just not something that digests very well for me. So I had to make that switch and things have been a lot better since I've done that. Yeah. I want to go back to that three hours to 45 minutes pre-workout because that is a huge range. So you might be listening to this and be like, I'm overwhelmed. That's a lot of time to choose from. How do I know what's going to be right for me? So there's kind of just a spectrum of like, what are you actually consuming? How large is that meal? What is in the meal that is that you're having and how many calories is it? How quickly does that carbohydrate source and protein source digest. Uh, so the timing is really going to depend on the composition of your meal. So an example of this spectrum is something 45 minutes prior to your workout. That's pretty close to your workout, right? So you really want something light in that scenario. So that really might just be a banana. That might just be an apple. That might be a granola bar or a, a small bowl of cereal. You know, this might be a good example of a morning training session where you don't have a ton of time to really get that food down and digested. So you might rely on a quick sugary cereal has a faster digesting carbohydrate, gets in your system, sits well, not too heavy. Whereas let's say you are someone, for example, who works at a school and you just get a lunch break and you have to go straight to the gym after, you know, your pre-workout meal might have to be your lunch. And then you might have to head to the gym three hours later. What does that mean for your pre-workout meal? That means it should probably be a pretty freaking dense meal. It means it's probably going to have to be more calories overall, it's probably going to have to be more complex carbohydrates. So things that digest slower, for example, oats or uh, brown rice instead of white rice or sweet potatoes or quinoa or something that really does sit there for a while because you're going to need that fuel to be sustained over a long period of time so that you, you, get to train with fuel in your system. So um, that's kind of the spectrum. And, and to give you some examples of complex and, and simple carbohydrates, I gave a few, but uh, cereals, rice cakes, uh, candies, um, some fruits are quicker sources of carbohydrates, whereas uh, oatmeal, sweet potatoes, brown rice, quinoa, and uh, those types of grains are going to be your slower digesting carbohydrates. So really kind of customizing it to the amount of time that works with your schedule to eat and then get to the gym in a way that that works well for you if that makes sense yeah and then the other thing too it's again that that three hours to 45 minutes is a big big gap like marissa was saying don't be afraid to play around with the timing of your training, the meals, the content of your meals and finding out what works for you. And so again, there, we really feel like there are no failures. Like maybe you go in and you have a crappy workout. Well, okay. You learned that, you know, three hours is, is too much time for you, or you need to adapt your meal. So Marissa and I have been lifting for a long time. So, and I'm sure that our routines will probably adjust again in the future. We think we have what's the most optimal for us and we might learn something later, but don't be afraid to, to kind of play around and find out what works best for you. Yeah, always, always. So um, how many carbs, I think is the next question. So again, we're going to use references to other episodes where you have your macronutrient daily intake set up. So my general rule of thumb for clients is 25% 
20 to 25 typically percent of your total daily carb intake should be that pre-workout meal. So for example, if someone eats 200 grams of carbs per day, 25% of that is 50 grams. So yes, that is a pretty big serving of carbs. And especially if your intake is even higher than that, that 25% is greater. And so I use this 25% rule pretty universally because it really pushes people. And when I first used it, it really pushed me to actually start prioritizing a really good fuel source pre-workout and really prioritize getting other nutrients in at other times of the day, like fat and, and more of my protein, but really, really focusing on getting enough carbs in pre-training. Uh, in addition, you're going to want to have protein in that meal as well. Um, ideally, you don't need quite so much. Um, you know, you don't want to have so much protein that you feel weighed down because protein does take a while to digest. So typically I recommend having anywhere from 15 to 30 grams of protein in a sitting for a pre-workout meal. It can be higher depending on your total daily intake. So like if you eat 200 grams of protein per day, if you're just a larger human with a larger protein goal, you might need to have more protein in one sitting pre-workout just because your total daily intake is so high. But I do like to keep it pretty moderate with the protein intake pre-workout because again, you want to be able to stomach it, digest it and feel good with it. But it does serve a role, um, in, in your training as well to have some protein pre-workout. Yeah. And the other thing too, is protein does keep you feeling a little bit more full. So if you were just to have straight carbs, you might feel very hungry later on. So that's another reason why protein is not only just for good for performance and recovery, but, uh, for feeling full. Yes. And, um, you know, I, I think another good question to answer with this is okay. Well, you're saying we need carbs and protein pre-workout, but like, why, what does that do for us? So again, the carbs get broken down, they get uh, utilized in the bloodstream to the muscle. And because we are uh, doing short burst, high intensity exercise, when we're lifting weights, you know, for a set of 12 or 15 reps might take us 30, 40 seconds. Uh, this is going to be the, and I'm not going to get super into it, but the glycolytic energy system, which uses carbohydrates, glucose as the primary fuel source. So this is what fuels our resistance training. Why do we need protein? Not only does it help with our just appetite regulation throughout the session, but also when protein breaks down, it breaks down into amino acids. And these amino acids are the building blocks of our muscle tissue and the building blocks of protein. And when they are broken down in the bloodstream and we're training, these proteins and these amino acids actually help to delay fatigue. It might help us with just preventing quite as much muscle breakdown. So when we are training really hard, we're, we're making micro tears in our muscles, uh, you know, having protein and amino acids in the system might help us to not quite break down those muscles so, so much so that we just get taxed after the first three sets, you know, we're able to actually make it through the entire workout. So this is pretty similar to, uh, and not the same as, but similar to drinking BCAAs or EAAs throughout your workout to enhance endurance. Uh, and we will get to that very, very shortly, but, um, that is kind of another function of, of protein during the workout. Yeah. And then 
while we've talked about protein and carbs, the other thing to consider is fat. So typically we recommend minimizing fat during a meal before you work out and also after. Um, but one of the reasons is that fat takes a while to digest and it can slow down the um, absorption rate. And so again, everything is very individualized. So if you're someone who does better with a higher fat intake, you feel more energized, you, again, you're not feeling as full, um, then this doesn't have to apply to you. But as a general recommendation, this is what we typically tell our clients is to minimize fat, maybe keep it around uh, five, maybe 10 grams. Um, for most of our females who are listening, 10 grams, I feel like is not a whole lot, but it's kind of in that moderate range. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, fat is super satiating too. So if you have a very high fat meal right before you work out, you're just going to feel probably sluggish, probably weighed down. Um, and like Christina said, it does slow down the absorption of carbs. So if you're trying to like, for example, 45 minutes before your workout, shuttle down some carbs. If you have fat with that too, that's going to slow down the rate at which your body's actually able to take those carbs and use them because the fat is, is slowing down that digestion process. So, um, yeah, just minimizing it. I kind of use that same, like 10 gram is like the upper end threshold for that meal. Um, and again, that's going to depend on your total daily fat intake. So like Christina said, if you're total daily fat intake is a lot higher and you just function better that way, then it might be more than 10 grams in that meal, but it's probably a smaller percentage relative to your other meals of the day. So the whole point is, and I like to also give the example and think of it in a way as, you know, if you are housing that many carbs pre-workout and you're having a protein source, if you add fat to that, it's just going to be a huge freaking meal. Like it's just going to be too much food. So what I like to think of it as is like, okay, we're using more of our fats at the other meals of the day, because we need to balance out our nutrition throughout the day in general. So if carbs and protein are paramount in that pre-workout meal, then it just makes intuitive sense to use your fats more heavily at the other times of the day. And it, and that also helps with just staying full, like between breakfast and lunch. If you train in the evening, if you have a higher fat meal for breakfast, then you're satiated throughout the day and it serves other functions there as well. Yeah. So I think about that wraps it up for pre-workout. So the next phase to go into is your during, like during your workout. So inter-workout, and this is not necessary. It's not something that you have to do. Uh, we do recommend BCAAs or EAAs during fasted training, just to have something to sip on. And usually again, we recommend if you are going to eat something or drink something during your pre-workout or I'm sorry, during your intra-workout, we recommend simple carbs. So like all the examples that Marissa gave earlier, like maybe a sugary cereal, rice cakes. Uh, I know people who have brought in pop tarts, depending on how high your calorie intake is something that's just going to be quick, uh, and easily utilized for energy. So this is something that's recommended for endurance athletes or sport athletes, power lifters. Sometimes your training sessions can be like three hours long. And so it's, it's hard to maintain that high energy that you need. So that's something that, uh, typically is recommended, but it's not needed. 
Yeah, and, and the intra-workout nutrition really does depend on the goal because, for example, like you said, if you are an endurance athlete or a power sport athlete like, a, you know, basketball, volleyball, soccer with short burst sprint activities uh, and you need to be performing, like if this is a game or a competition where you really need to be at your, your tip-top shape, then you're going to want to supplement with some simple carbs throughout the workout because that's going to keep you from getting depleted. And when it comes to those competitive environments, it's really more so a matter of just preventing any potential depletion of your carbohydrate stores rather than like a necessity. Like a person could go through an entire match or game or, or session if it is a competitive environment and not deplete themselves of all their fuel sources, but why chance that if you are trying to compete and to win at something? And then when it comes to endurance athletes, there's a ton of work on this done um, with the NSCA CSCS certification that I did last summer. I uh, learned a lot about how to carbo load for uh, endurance athletes and, and that sort of thing. But um, simple carbs throughout those sessions is going to be super, super important because if you are, you know, running 26 miles, running a marathon, you're obviously going to run out of fuel sources at some point. And that's why you see endurance athletes with like the, the gel packs that are like pretty much just sugar and those sorts of products. So those are very specific to the sport. Now, if we're talking about a 45 minute hour long, maybe 90 minute session at the gym where you're really pushing it hard. But again, uh, you know, it might seem intuitive to use intra-workout carbs because like I said, we're using that glycolytic energy system. We're using glucose and carbs for our workouts. However, the pre-workout meal can pretty much cover it because again, we're having a very large portion of our daily carbs in that pre-workout meal. So the supplementation of intra-workout carbs typically if you're just lifting weights for an hour, five times a week or three times a week, it's really not going to be all that necessary. So we stick to generally for our clients, the recommendation of BCAAs, which is branch chain amino acids. These are pretty much zero calorie, uh, typically just makes your water taste flavored and, and better and uh, is the amino acid. So it helps to prevent muscle breakdown, allows you to have a little bit better endurance throughout your workout. And then the EAAs are essential amino acids. So there are nine essential amino acids. And we recommend this during fasted training because basically if you are going into your workout without any food, and we are gonna touch on this uh, later on in the episode as well, then at least make sure that you're preventing muscle breakdown to the fullest extent possible. So it would be roughly similar to having a protein shake before you lifted, but without the calories. So BCAAs or EAAs, branch chains are three of those amino acids and the EAAs are all nine is essentially the difference there. And the only time we really say that essential amino acids are necessary is during the fasted training. So hopefully that distinction makes sense. Yeah. And then the other thing I would point out too, is at least when it comes to me or what I would recommend to my clients is in your workout food and carbs to me depends on what you're doing. If you're dieting or if you are in a, in a building phase, because if you're dieting and you're eating a hundred carbs a day, 
personally, I don't want to use those on intra-workout carbs. I don't want to kind of burn uh, 15 grams of carbs for, for intra-workout for a, you know, an hour long training session. I'd rather have that during a meal. Uh, if you are building and you are struggling to get in all of your food and you feel like, you know, you're eating two, three, 400 grams of carbs and it's hard to, to eat meals all day long. Well then getting in, you know, 30 to 40 grams of carbs in the form of Gatorade, is going to be really easy and it's going to be very effective during your workout. So it also just, it just depends how much you're eating and, and what you can quote unquote, like give to your inter-workout meal or food. Yeah. Yeah. Took the words right out of my mouth. That's, that's perfect. Um, so I'm pretty sure that covers the intra workout window. So yeah, pretty much for, for probably most of you guys listening, it's just going to be the, the, the BCAA or, or essential, essential amino acid, depending on when you train. Uh, and yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. So moving on post workout yes. workout. So again, I don't know. I, so I mentioned that how my kind of philosophy has changed. Do you feel the same with post-workout? I was never really a believer in the, the like whole anabolic window thing where, you know, you have to slam a, a protein shake as you're walking out of the gym. Otherwise your gains are gone. I, I guess I, that's where my age comes in. <laughs> <huh? laughs> yeah. I think, I think Lane Norton was all over that one by the time I was getting into lifting. So I didn't really ever buy into that one, but I think it still does exist to an extent where we don't really know how crucial that window is or you know how long the anabolic window is so this is essentially just the window post-workout where our bodies are more primed for nutrient absorption because we have just depleted our body of the nutrients that we used to train so carbohydrates breaking down muscle so we're, we're ready to absorb protein and carbohydrates again after our workout so that's essentially what the anabolic window is uh, now how long is it typically the thought was you know get in your your protein shake or your your post-workout meal like an hour after training or, or less than an hour after training but it seems like based on some of the studies that they've done on the anabolic window that it's longer than, than we thought. And what really, really matters for post-workout and for replenishing your body is going to be the just overall daily intake. Are you eating enough to recover? Are you eating enough protein? Are you eating enough carbs? Because over time, if you are just having enough food overall throughout the day, then your body is going to become replenished with the, with the fuel that it lost. However, it is a good rule of thumb to eat post-workout or to have a shake just because a, it'll probably help you get in your total daily protein intake if that's something you struggle with. And B, it is good I, to an extent, you know, it's kind of along the line of thought of if the anabolic window does exist or, you know, if it is shorter than we thought because we don't really know yet, then why chance it, right? Like, why don't we just get something in quick and, and, and not have to worry about missing out? Yeah, I think the, the thing to kind of take away is it's not going to hurt you. So why not just kind of do it anyway? Because it's a good idea to have protein after a workout. But the main, I like, again, 
kind of takeaway is don't stress. If you can't get in a protein source within 30 minutes to an hour, you know, post-workout, you don't have to have that idea that I've ruined everything. That workout was a waste. And I, you know, I've just ruined my day or to, to like really stress about it. And cause I think that stressing about it is just going to kind of make everything worse. So just again, try to be more big picture kind of takeaway is okay. My, my daily total intake is what matters the most. Um, and that's what I just need to be the most consistent and adherent to. Yeah. I'll give an example of my own post-workout routine. Uh, so my coach does recommend that I do a shake post-workout. So pretty much as soon as I finish training, I do uh, mix up a protein isolate shake. So uh, when we're talking about the anabolic window, uh, a lot of times the discussion of different types of protein powders comes into play because there's different types that digest at different speeds. So a protein isolate is essentially just a faster digesting protein powder. They're typically a little bit more expensive because they are filtered a little bit more thoroughly to be able to digest faster and, and get to the muscle faster. So I do have an isolate post-workout because I work for a supplement company. So I do have that luxury. Uh, and I pretty much down that post-workout, then we, you know, drive home and then I'm able to heat up a meal, you know, probably roughly an hour post-training. And that has a good mixture of protein and carbs in it. Right now, a little bit less carbs because I am dieting, but uh, ideally protein and carbs post-workout. So again, I like to recommend that same 25% rule. So 25% at the pre-workout meal of your total daily carb intake, 25% at the post-workout meal of your total daily carb intake. So 50% of your, your carbs for the day are used in that peri-workout window is, is typically the, ge the general recommendation that I like to give clients to really set the focus on training and recovering. So you're going to obviously want the protein and then you're going to want to also have carbs because again, we're replenishing depleted glycogen and we are building muscle by, by shuttling protein that we consume to the muscle post-workout. Yeah. And then the other thing, again, because we both work for the same supplement company, the episode before this was with Doug Miller, the CEO of Core, and he recommends a supplement called Core Post. Um, so that is also a good supplement that you can take post-workout. That's the whole reason it was created. So little little plug there for Core. Yeah. And, and to kind of give you guys a picture of like, okay, well, well why was this product created to be a post-workout supplement. It's essentially, and a lot of post-workout supplements mimic this as well. Uh, it's going to be a fast digesting protein isolate. So like I mentioned, the faster digesting version rather than a, a whey blend or something like that. And then a fast digesting carb. So typically that comes in the form of dextrose or cyclic dextrin or maltodextrin. Uh, there's different types, different levels of quality with that. I'm not well versed on that, but I trust Doug as we talked about in the last episode. So um, the, it's a combination of that with pretty much no fat. And so like we mentioned, we want to keep the, the fat intake at the pre and post workout window a little bit lower, just so that we can allocate our calories evenly across the day and aid in that quick absorption, quick digestion. So that is what is actually in the product and in a lot of other post workout products as well. So that's kind of the context for you is it's serving the function that we just talked about for post-workout. We're replenishing, we're recovering, and we're rebuilding muscle. So 
yeah, that, that pretty much covers the, the post-workout meal, I think. Yeah. 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 I don't think I have anything else to add. So the next kind of bullet point we have in our outline is talking about, well, what if I work out in the morning? What if I work out in the afternoon? What if I work out in the evening or at night? So, you know, what do I like? What if I like to train fasted or I can't stomach food in the morning? So bless you. That was one of my cats who's in my lap. <laughs> so if you are a morning person or you train first thing in the morning, I, I always talk about a client that I have that gets up at, I think, 4.30 and lifts at 5.30. She doesn't like to stomach anything super big because she, again, for me too, I'd feel the same way is once I start eating, that kind of triggers my, my hunger throughout the day. So if I worked out at five in the morning, I'm going to be starving probably by the end of the day. Cause I've burned through all my calories. So if that's someone like you, again, we recommended that you can have, you know, you can sip on uh, BCAAs or EAAs, or maybe even like a, a protein shake or something just to have something in your stomach. Uh, so you can feel a little bit stronger, feel like you, you're not starving. Um, so that's one of the things that I recommend to my clients who train fasted or, and this is getting a little bit uh, more in depth, but the other thing that you can do is have your pre-workout meal before you go to bed. So when you wake up, you don't have to eat anything. You can just kind of use the, the energy that was in that meal um, and train in the morning. So your pre-workout meal is at night and then your post-workout would be after you work out. So that's getting a little, little technical, but that's something that you can do as a morning person if you don't like to eat anything before you work out. Yes, definitely. And I think a lot of times this can kind of run again on a spectrum. So like someone might say, I work out in the mornings, but I just hate eating before my workout. Do I really have to get up like two hours before and have this big pre-workout meal? A lot of times it's just the misconception that it has to be this big ordeal. You know, if, if you feel better, just grabbing a banana and taking that in the car and having it on the way, that is still pre-workout fuel. That is still pre-workout carbs. So it doesn't have to be this all or nothing. I either hit the 25% rule and the protein and no fat or nothing. You know, you can still just grab a snack and, and have that be it right for the morning. So you actually made me think of two things that I am going to go into detail about because we have the time and I'm super excited about it. So there are two studies that when we talk about pre-workout nutrition and just kind of like talking about morning training, you know, do I need to eat? Does it, is it more psychological, you know, because like I said, I get kind of like psyched out if I'm not eating properly pre-workout. So how much does that actually matter? So there was a, a study reviewed in mass, which is the monthly application of strength sport, which is just a research review that goes over relevant research in, um, in the field that, that, would be interesting for practitioners like Christina and I. Uh, there was one study they reviewed a few months ago, but essentially it was covering the placebo effect of thinking that you ate a pre-workout meal that was dense in calories. So the problem with trying to induce a placebo effect, so, you know, something is, you know, you get the effect even though you didn't take the treatment with food is that you can't really like disguise food all that well. So they had two groups. They had one group eat a pre-workout meal that had lots of carbs in it. And they had one group eat a fake pre-workout meal that barely had like little to no calories in it. So how they did this was they constructed a like orange carbohydrate goo that was like 
essentially like dextrose or maltodextrin or something in the one that had carbohydrates. And then the one that didn't have any actual calories in it was basically just like a mixture of xanthan gum and like thickeners to like give the thing its texture. And so the, the participants sat down, they would, they would eat their orange goo and then they would digest it and then they would go do a training session. And they compared this to people who were not eating a pre-workout meal at all as well. And essentially it, it turned out that the people who ate the pre-workout no calorie goo performed just as well as the people who ate the one with the carbs in it. So actually the effect of thinking that you ate something had an effect on, on your workout performance. So I thought that was super interesting. Um, <laughs> and then the other studies that I think of, and there's, there's a number of these, but this is more on endurance training and, and like Christina noted as well, a lot of this research is, is carried out on endurance athletes, but the effect of a carbohydrate mouth rinse on endurance performance. So people, participants would come into the lab fasted and they would either rinse their mouth with a carbohydrate drink or not, and then do a performance test. And there was actually a beneficial effect of just rinsing your mouth with carbohydrates before they did like cycling or running or something like that. So again, specific to endurance training, but there was something that happened there either psychologically or physiologically with like the very premature digestion of carbohydrates in the mouth. Cause we do have some enzymes that digest carbs like in our mouth, but it's not like all the carbs that we eat. It's just a small fraction of them. So super interesting, but like my point being, first of all, you probably thought that was kind of weird or cool. Second of all, <laughs> how much does training fasted really affect your performance? Part of that could be psychological. So if you're someone who really, really feels like they need to have food pre-workout to perform well, while that may or may not be true, it's probably a good idea to just feed into your own biases and, and expectations, right? So if you need that small snack or just a bite of something to like feel like you have something in your system, it could honestly have a really beneficial effect for you, even if it's not the perfect 25% rule, et cetera. <laughs> so my mind immediately went to how would you track a carbohydrate drink, like rinse? <laughs> you don't, right? Because the, yeah. how much you actually probably digest from that is, is probably close like, to nothing. Yeah. So I, I, I'm wondering if that's like a diet hack, if you're dieting and can't do an intra workout, <laughs> just, just rinse your mouth with Gatorade. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure that all that's been done with that is on endurance athletes, but I would be super curious to see that replicated with resistance training. Yeah. And that actually brought up something that you reminded me of is when it came to uh, the goo, I remember reading another study where they had participants drink this kind of like chocolate drink. And the way that they marketed it to the participants, one of it was like, oh, well, it's a, it's a healthy, like protein shake. It doesn't have a lot of calories. And then they told another group, um, this is like a super dense, like chocolatey, like dessert and how people digested the, the meal, uh, differed depending on what meal they thought they were having. So again, I think from a lot of the studies that we we referenced in this podcast, I think it's just so interesting how important our mind is and how we perceive stimulus and, and, and different things. So again, it just kind of goes into your, your mind believes 
like whatever you kind of tell it. So if you go into a workout thinking this is going to be crappy because I didn't have the perfect 25% ratio, well, then you might have a crappy workout. Um, so again, just kind of go into it going, well, it may not have been optimal, but whatever, I'm still going to go in and kill it. So just trying to just try not to stress out if you can't do everything hundred percent perfect. Yeah. And I'm going to try to get all three of those studies referenced in the, in the show notes for you guys, because they're super interesting. I actually do. I have heard of the one that you mentioned as well, Christina, with the, the milkshake one and, and how the, their bodies actually broke it down. It's, it's super interesting how much our psychology can, can impact everything that actually happens physiologically that we think, right? Like we have no, we have no control over, but like maybe, you know, our perceptions alter a lot. So really cool. Well, and then I was going to say it has the episode hasn't come out with, but there's also a super really cool study that Greg referenced um, that we'll talk about uh, when it comes to steroids. So definitely, <laughs> definitely look out for that one. That was a really funny there one. There were so many funny, uh, there were a lot <laughs> un- unethical steroid steroid studies in the seventies and eighties <laughs> that he, he talked about in that episode. So you guys have a lot to look forward to with that one. Um, yeah. But so I guess that brings us back to afternoon workouts and <laughs> kind of get kind of getting back on track. So again, if you, if you work out in the afternoon, um, you can probably have a breakfast that's higher in fat, a little bit lower in carbs. Protein should be right around that 20 to, to 40 grams of protein. And then you could have a snack if you wanted to, depending on your hunger levels or what time in the, in the afternoon, if you drink it early, then I probably wouldn't recommend it. If you're doing like a, a late afternoon, then yeah, I'd probably have a snack and then your lunch or, you know, just pre-workout meal. I don't even think I really think of things as like lunch and dinner anymore <laughs> or breakfast. It's just like, what's my pre and post and like, not, not a pre-post workout. <laughs> I know that, um, um, when I was using my fitness pal, so I use a different tracking app now and it's kind of labeled the same way, but when I found out that you, you could change the names or the titles of your meals on my fitness pal, uh, I changed them all from, breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks to meal one, meal two, meal three, meal four, meal five. And like, it's still sitting there like that. And so that's how I kind of think of my meals is like, it's, it's not breakfast. It's just meal one. <laughs> that's exactly what mine looks like right now. <laughs> yep. We are what super are bros. Yeah. So sometimes my husband will be like, what are you having for breakfast? And I'm like, oh, meal one is <laughs> I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So then I don't know if you have anything to add about afternoon, just kind of. Yeah. I mean, I could give an, an, simple. I could give an example of what my actual structure is because, um, I, I do train at about five 30 PM every day. So kind of like the after work crowd hour sort of thing. That's probably pretty common. So typically I'll eat breakfast at six or seven, depending on the day, uh, whether I'm going in to the lab or not that's going to be higher in fat, pretty moderate to low in carbs. And then uh, obviously my protein is, well, maybe not obviously, but my protein is spread evenly across the day. So right now I'm eating roughly my body weight in grams of protein, and that is 150 grams. So I eat roughly five times per day, most, most days, sometimes not on weekends, but five times per day. So each meal will have roughly 30 grams of protein. And that's just kind of a a general across the board. So with that assumption in mind, breakfast is higher fat, lower carb. Lunch is also higher fat, lower carb. I've been doing salmon and a bunch of vegetables lately. 
Uh, and when I'm not cutting, I have a direct carb source in there too. But, uh, and then pre-workout is pretty much a, a really big chunk of my carbs. I, I think I even exceed the 25% rule when I get, when I cut, because I really put the focus on my pre-workout nutrition. I want my performance to just be tip top shape when I'm cutting to prevent any muscle loss. So I might even be, and I haven't calculated it, but I'm, I might be at the, the 30% for, for pre-workout meal carbs for my day. And then pulse workout, uh, because such a large chunk is in my pre-workout, I probably have 20 to 25% in that post-workout meal instead of the, the full 25. And then I just have typically like a, a little night snack or like something like a, a sugar-free jello right now, because <laughs> that's all I got. But, um, yeah, that, that's kind of like what it looks like. So if, if you're training at, for example, I train at five 30, I have my pre-workout meal, usually around four, four fifteen, and then I'm able to go in and crush it. And, and for me, oddly enough, I really like oats pre-workout and especially when I'm dieting, I don't mind feeling a little bit fuller going into my workout. Obviously I'm not about to puke, but like, you know, feeling satiated when I walk into the gym is something that I really enjoy. So cutting or not cutting, I typically have oats and uh, uh, protein that has additional carbs in it called MRP from core. And so that stands for meal replacement, but it's essentially just more carbs and protein that I add in for flavoring. And that's been my pre-workout meal for, and this is going to concern you guys for like the past two and a half years. <laughs> it's literally been the same meal. So creature of habit checking in. Yeah. Marissa's kind of weird when it comes to food. She can eat the same meals like day in and day out. I'm a little bit more of a foodie. So I like to experiment and I like to cook and, and I get a lot of just joy from that. So I've been doing better with variety and like, I obviously go out to eat and like fit things in, but <laughs> yeah, it, it yeah. can get really bad with the pre-workout meal, especially once I found out that that worked for me, I have not deviated from it since yeah. probably late 2017. I would say though, too, I think I think when I'm dieting and when I'm cutting, I'm a little bit more structured with my meals, partially because I don't want to think about food a lot of the time. So it's just easier to kind of just, well, this is what I did yesterday. So I'm going to do it again today because it worked well. But when I'm in my off season or when I'm in like kind of a little bit more of like a maintenance phase, I feel like I can play around with food a little bit more and I have the energy to think about it. And I have the more food to kind of play around with. But when I'm cutting, it's, it's, pretty simple on the business. No, I'm the same way. Yeah. And that actually makes me think of one more thing. Cause I think we're probably just going to, to wrap up after this one with takeaway points, but, um, I have been dialing in my meal prep a little bit more carefully, uh, with this cut, just because I got really exhausted thinking about food. Uh, like you said, it's just a lot of energy, especially when calories are restricted. I don't want to think about like, Ooh, what could I fit into my macros? Cause like, there's not that much when you're cutting <laughs> that you can fit into your macros. They're just sugar-free jello. <laughs> yeah, like, like there's lower calories. So it's just, it's less flexible. So I might as well just like get my meals made. And so what I've been doing lately is actually the individual Tupperware meal prep, which takes more time, but it saves me from thinking every single day. Even if I'm going to have the same meal, I don't want to have to like, think about, let me portion this out. So 
It's really funny because every time Aaron and I get back from the gym, I pull my Tupperware out of the fridge and I throw it in the microwave and just put it on like a minute, 30 or two minutes. And he just looks at me, he goes, you love this, don't you? <laughs> and I'm like, yes, I really do. Like, it's so easy, but I'm, I'm the same way as you. Like when there's more room flexibility at maintenance, I, I'm not quite like that I'll, I'll you know cook dinners and have a little more variety and be more of a normal human but like right now I'm, I'm literally just like roboting my meals <laughs> yeah and that's a you bring up an interesting point well kind of what we've been talking about is like meal plan versus macro tracking and so we have a whole episode planned on that and we'll go into kind of the the pros and cons or when you can utilize or how you can actually utilize both um, so that'll be a good one to look out for. And we'll talk way, way, way more in depth about that. Um, but just as a, as a future episode to look forward to. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think one final thing too, about just morning versus evening training, uh, you know, if you do have the flexibility and the luxury to structure your training in a way that you want, I would think about more, more about the psychology of how you like to train. Right. So I have always been an, an afternoon, evening person for the gym. And I think a big part of that is because I really enjoy feeling like I have a couple of meals in my system. And so, you know, even if your pre-workout nutrition isn't that, that one meal isn't perfect, you know, you still have breakfast and lunch in there to back you up, even, even though it's not your immediate fuel source. So that's something to think about too, is, you know, if you really don't, think like that, or if you do, um, and how that might affect your training performance. Cause ultimately, and, and the big picture here is making your training better. And then from making your training better, more work output in that session. And then in every session, and then ultimately better results, you know, more muscle gain, more fat loss, more expenditure, more work performed, whatever it is, better skill, et cetera. The goal is, is better training and better recovery. So when we're thinking about these meals, you know, think about it in a way that if you do have the luxury and the flexibility to move these things around, do it in a way that's going to make you feel the best about your training and during your training. Yeah. So again, like our, our takeaways is there's no universal or like definitive guideline that you have to follow. A lot of things can vary based on you, your goals, your style of training, what your, um, what, just what works best for you and your schedule. So at the end of the day, if it's not something that you can implement, not a huge deal. Biggest thing to focus on is your caloric caloric intake at the end of the day and your macros. Um, so like we mentioned before, things come up, things, you know, life happens and you just have to be flexible. So that's something that we talk about. I think in almost every single episode is whatever diet or approach to food that you're utilizing, it has to be flexible to your schedule and things can happen. So it's not just this black and white. Well, my day is ruined. This workout's ruined. I, I just need to start over tomorrow. It's just, it's okay. Just go into the workout and, and do the best that you can. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, going back to those basics, you know, make sure that your total daily intake is consistent. You know, if you have goals and you're working towards them, whether it's fat loss, muscle gain, maintenance, whatever, you have to be consistent with that total daily intake, your total daily protein intake, total daily carbs, total fat, and uh, making sure you have that nailed down uh, because it's not worth stressing over all of this when you don't have any of that 
pretty much perfected. And that doesn't mean that you're perfect all the time, but perfected in the sense that you know how to be consistent with those things. And then when those basics are taken care of, if your pre and post-workout nutrition is crap, like for example, if you train first thing in the morning, but you eat all of your calories from 4 to 8 p.m., that's probably going to have a negative effect on, on something. It's probably going to be your limiting factor. And we kind of touched on that in our interview with Dr. Grant Tinsley as well. You know, if you're training fasted and your, your meal window is, is late in the day, you know, that's probably a contraindication, right? So it can be a limiting factor if your basics are taken care of and your adherence and your consistency is taken care of, but that has to come first. The other thing too that we've talked about again is what matters most is how you respond to food and how you respond to timing and portion sizes. So just because someone else is eating, you know, or maybe Marissa, she's had this workout, uh, pre-workout meal since, you know, whenever 2017, 18, <laughs> it's really bad. That doesn't, yeah. Um, that doesn't mean that you have to do the same thing. Um, or just because you see your favorite Fitzbo or Instagrammer eating something, um, and it doesn't sit well with you. It, it, there's no magic food to have pre and post workout if it doesn't work for you. So don't be afraid to play around with things, experiment and find out what, uh, when you feel your best. Yeah. And I think one final thing with that too, is, is make sure it's a food that you enjoy because I don't just eat the same thing every day for three years or two years because I hate it. Like I genuinely like look forward to it. It is 3 38 PM right now. And I am getting ready to eat it and I'm craving it and I crave it every single day. So like, make sure it's something that you enjoy. So we threw out some examples like oats, cream of rice, white rice, brown rice, sweet potato cereal. Like it could literally be, you know, anything that you really genuinely enjoy eating and looking forward to. And that can become part of a ritual, right? Like for people like us, you know, and then people like you who are listening to this, obviously training matters to you. If you're listening to this, this podcast and you're about at the 60 minute mark. Right. And so this is something that is a ritual to you. Training is a, is a ritual to you, you know, a certain number of times per week. So this becomes a part of that ritual. So make sure it's something that you look forward to because you don't want hating your pre-workout meal or your post-workout shake to turn into a negative association with the whole thing, right? Like you don't want to turn into, oh, well, I'm, I'm really dreading my pre-workout meal and it just makes me feel awful for my training session. You don't want that to happen. So make sure it's all something that you enjoy. Yeah, definitely. Because I'm not going to eat uh, cottage cheese. <laughs> <laughs> I am team no cottage cheese, so I will not be enjoying that. So yeah, it's, and I think it's kind of the same thing. Like the same idea comes with, uh, with just your daily food choices. So if yeah. you don't like salads, but you think that salads are like the, the dieting foods or like this magical food and you hate it. Well then, you know, by day five, you're probably going to say, well, F this salad, I'm just going to eat whatever. Um, so I guess it just goes into whatever food you're, you're eating, your, uh, strategy when it comes to food, again, just make sure you enjoy it. And of course you have to do some sometimes you have to do things in moderation, but again, you should overall really enjoy the foods that you eat. Yeah. And in my defense, I only have cottage cheese as a night snack because it's a high, a high percentage of the protein in cottage cheese is casein, which is a slow digesting, great protein to have before bed. So never 
never doing that pre-workout just fyi <laughs> so gross <laughs> anyway i think that about wraps it up do you have anything else that you want to add that is everything on a on a okay. sweet note with cottage cheese <laughs> Well, we hope that you guys enjoyed this episode. If you haven't already, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. You can find both of us on Instagram. You can find me at Christy Lynn Fit and Marissa is at Marissa Roy Fitness. So thank you guys so much for listening and we hope to see you back next week. Thank you so much for listening to the Barbell Lifestyle Podcast and we hope you enjoyed this episode and learned something from it. Please remember that Christina and I are not medical professionals, so if you're going to make any changes to your exercise or nutrition routines, please consult with your doctor or medical team first. Finally, we would love you even more than we already do if you took the time to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Ratings and reviews are how this podcast moves up the ranks and becomes accessible to even more people. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next Tuesday here at the Barbell Lifestyle Podcast.